the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Standing behind a jet airplane just before it takes off will have its consequences. It's a perilous proposition, to say the least, even if you believe you won't be harmed. Let's talk about that next. Sadly, they even have awards for this. They're called the Darwin Awards. Awards for people who seem to think they won't be harmed by something they are about to do, only to find that it was indeed perilous at the end of the moment. And that's exactly what we're exploring today, the ultimate Darwin Award, if you will. It is the peril of unbelief. And there are many perils that are attached to not believing in Jesus Christ. Let's explore them together as we continue our journey through Romans. We're in chapter 11, verses 1 through 10. Here's Pastor Gary Wagner on today's Abounding Grace. Which is why when the disciples were alone, they asked one another, Okay, what does that mean? And Jesus told them to hinder others from understanding. When God blinds men, he takes away their ability to see and hear the truth. He makes them senseless to his grace, senseless to their duty, senseless to the grave danger that awaits them. We have all been senseless at times. Maybe one of you is right now. We sit before God's word, before our Bible reading, and we just space out. Or you young people wonder, when is this going to be over with? Maybe even some of you adults do. We better be careful. God's word is more important and more precious than the next breath that you will take. So when he sends us his word, we better be awake. And if we find ourselves sleepy, we better ask, Lord, wake me up. Not because we're trying to sit there ramrod straight, but because there is this word of life. This is God coming to us in his mercy, beloved through the Lord Jesus. And notice back in Romans 11, Paul adds there in verse 8, to this day. Paul brings it up 30 years from the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, or close to it. Because when the Jews rejected the Son of God, this was their penalty for rejecting God's word throughout their history. And they remained blind in Paul's day, persecuting the church and doing everything they could to prejudice the Gentiles against God's truth. In verses 9 and 10, the peril of unbelief becomes more practical here. It's not only in the high and the lofty things like truth and ethics that God punishes men and blinds them, but his curse rests very practically upon them. Now remember here who we're talking about. Paul's not talking about your 
garden variety unbeliever or people who never heard the truth, people who have just rejected it once. He's talking about those like us who profess to love God's truth like the Jews did, then replaced it with something else. He's talking about mainline Presbyterian and Episcopalian denominations. He's talking about those who at one time said, we're going to hold fast to God's truth forever. But for whatever reason, they didn't. And what does Paul say here? Your table will be made a snare to you. Basically, your food becomes poison. Even the normal things of life like eating and drinking and work fall under God's judgment. He adds recompense at the end of the list here because it's almost as if life becomes payback. God says, you had my word, but you rejected it. So my punishment is going to rest upon your whole life. Verse 10 is taken from Psalm 69, 11. It's a horrible prophecy of judgment. Turn back there. If you will, please. David originally spoke in reverence to his enemies, but we must also see this as being from the mouth of the Lord Jesus. Because in verse 21, you see a very clear reference to the cross. They gave me also gall for my meat, and in my thirst they gave me vinegar to drink. This was referring to the so-called mercy that Jesus' tormentor showed him at the cross. Now remember who these people were who did this to the Lord Jesus. They were God's people from of old. They heard the words of the Lord Jesus. They saw his miracles, but they rejected him, and they crucified our Lord of glory. And God did not allow the Jews to commit treason like that with impunity. He cursed their food supply. Within 35 to 40 years also after the crucifixion, they were eating their own children in the siege of Jerusalem, eating their dead children. Their proud backs, just like it says there in verse 10, were bowed down under Roman oppression. So much so that historian Josephus, who was a Jew and an eyewitness of the destruction of Jerusalem, confessed that those judgments fell upon them Quote, because no people had ever been as wicked, unquote. Now, why does Paul bring this up? He was a Jew. It seems like, you know, with our own. Let's be honest here. I think everyone in here today is some version of Caucasian, Hispanic, or Asian. And we kind of want to wipe the white people's sins away, the Hispanic people's sins, and the Asian people's sin, all away. But Paul says, let's bring ours out into the broad daylight. Why? As a warning, this is what happens when we reject God's word, when we don't hold fast to his grace, and when we don't cling to it. And that is the simple and profound lesson here in our text. God destroyed the Jewish people, cursed their whole existence because they rejected his word. Yes, verse 5, there is a remnant according 
to the election of grace. But the majority were hardened. And see, we saw what happened to them. We must clearly, Paul says, identify the reason for the past judgment upon the Jews and their continued blindness. It is because they rejected God's word and they twisted his grace into pride. They trusted themselves, their heritage, their bloodline, and their ceremonies. But they had no love for God and for his word. And there was no gratitude in their hearts for his goodness. Paul says, I want you Gentiles to understand, and we'll see more of this as we go through chapter 11. I want you to see what happened to us because I don't want it to happen to you. He takes what's happened to the Jews, being one of them, and learned from it. We've already seen. He loved his countrymen. But true love tells the truth. Even if God's enemies hate you more for it and it brings down persecution upon you. So Paul says, Gentiles, I want you to understand what happens when men turn away from God's word. Now this doesn't sound very nice, Paul. We wouldn't even think about doing this, right? I mean, that's pretty heavy. Come on, give us sweetness and light and rose gardens and tea parties and how to fix this and how to fix that. Don't give us warnings from what happened to the Jews. We're not going to be as bad as they were. But Paul understood them and us better than we understand ourselves. He understood the battle better that all of us are in. Sin is so deceitful. It's slippery. Look at what has happened in the mainstream denominations. These were once bastions of orthodoxies. Slip. Ouch. Maybe we can't trust everything Moses said. Wait a minute now. The scientists are saying the earth is a gazillion of years old. Wait a minute. Moses really didn't write the Pentateuch. Really, the Old Testament is multiple authors and really, really ancient. There's nothing supernatural about it. And really, Jesus was just a very good man, but he didn't die on a cross for our sins. Of course, it didn't start out there, did it? Satan didn't start out by denying the deity of Christ. It just starts out with something a little slippery, like Genesis 1. Oh, come on, Gary. You can do whatever you want with Genesis 1, but still hold on to John 3.16. No, you can't. The Bible, beloved, is a seamless garden garment. And once you start slipping, it all unravels. So that is what Paul understood here, being inspired by God's Spirit. And of course, the Holy Spirit understanding more than Paul did. He understood if we have God's grace and we turn away from his truth. The judgments are horrible. So let's just spend a few minutes now applying this to us. We wonder why the West has sunk. And by the West, that is the United States and, of course, Europe, maybe a little bit of Russia. And we wonder why the West has sunk into abysmal blindness. Why statism and confiscatory regulations are stealing you blind and why there is no one to do anything about the mess that we're in? Beloved, this is God's judgment. 
The United States of America and most of the West has been privileged to have God's word for many, many centuries. And God has raised up tens of thousands of preachers to give us the word of life. He has brought us many revivals. He has delivered us from many dangers. When for several hundreds of years, God's truth was hidden and obscured and abused by profligate priests and popes, he sent the glorious reformation and just brought the word in a glorious way to us. And we're still reeling under the goodness of the reformation. He has insulated the church on these shores from the worst of persecution. And yet, despite his goodness to Western men, we have chosen the experts over God, science over revelation, statism and militarism over liberty under God's law. Many, many churches in the West will fly two flags here on the pulpit. That is a split allegiance. We cannot fly the American flag up here. Why? Because we are the church. And the true church of God is the holy nation. We are the people of God. Not any particular ethnic group or national group. So what has happened? We're reaping many of the same consequences for our unbelief that fell upon the Jews. A deadly, dark, ghastly power has fallen over our nation. A deadly slumber, just like Paul warned here. God's truth is still in our possession, but we treat it carelessly. For many people, even within the church, the Bible is a closed book. We've lost our taste for it. We don't want to hear sound doctrine. Many, many say, I don't want to hear doctrine at all. I don't even want to hear the word election. I don't want to hear expository preaching. Instead, give me something that will solve my problems. Make me feel good. Forgetting that many of our problems are artificially created because we are not obeying God in our lives and in our families. And then... We want some expert to come in and fix our problems that are only going to be fixed if we put ourselves back under the authority of God's word and start obeying him again. Verse 9, our table. The statistics are that many have become gluttons. But all of us, but for all of us, our food and water supplies are tainted so with so many chemicals, harmful chemicals, that many have developed severe allergies to very basic dietary staples. Food inspectors are paid off. Corporations manipulate the laws, creating disease and hardships. There's no money in good health, my friends. There is only money in disease. You make one drug to fix a problem, and guess what? We've got your life. Because we just created three more problems that will require three more medications to solve all your symptoms. And we wonder, why is this? This wasn't true 50, 60 years ago. It wasn't even true 100 years ago. Why now? It is the consequence of payback, of recompense for verse 9. Rejecting God's holy word. Not in every individual case and not everyone in the various industries, many of which are Christians, 
But the point is not that. Because many, pe- many godly people are suffering along with the majority. But we are blinder than moles. If we don't see God's hand of judgment. At least among us in the church. We need to draw the connection. God gives grace. God gives us his word. We turn from it. And God doesn't just say, oh well, I lost someone else. God says, I gave you my grace. I gave you my word. I offered you my covenant. I gave you my gospel. And are you going to turn away from it? Well, your table is going to become a snare to you. I'm going to blind you. I'm going to harden you. There's going to be payback because it is dangerous to trifle with the living God. The situation, of course, should be very different within the church. And in many places, it still is. But there's far too little, even in my own life, of trembling before God's word. Far too little gratitude for his grace. Far too little blazing love for what he has done for us and his son. There's a lot of complaining if the preacher or an author doesn't say something just like we want him to say it. Or if he steps on our toes. Or if we are made to feel uncomfortable. But wait a minute. Has God ever sent preachers to men to make those men feel comfortable and good? You're dealing with a holy God. You don't come to church to feel good. You come to church to have dealings with the Prince of Peace and the Lord of Life and the God of Mercy and the God of Righteousness. And he sent prophets to these Jews but they killed them and their judgments became worse so beloved here's the cast value I believe from these four verses for us one we must be warned no matter how godly we may be and I'm not at all trying to make you wonder if you are a Christian or not that is not the point of this Because Paul was writing to ardent believers here. But can you imagine being honored enough to be a recipient of one of the books of the New Testament? These were godly men and and women. Can you imagine if we lived back then and there had been a book in the Bible titled the book to reformed heritage? That would be, that would honor us enough to send us, send us some of his word. These were not wicked people. Not at all. They were people just like us. But they needed to be warned. Even if we walk before God in all of our ways, we need to be warned. And God's word needs to be our our daily bread, our, our hourly bread. We must eat it and meditate on it. Men, do you? Do you lead your family with an open Bible before you? Don't start preaching to your family, though, men, if you are not preaching to yourself in secret. Start there. You may think, man, there are all kinds of things in my family that I need to clean up. I better get out the whip or the belt and start to just clean up. No, of course not. You get on your face and you get in the book And let God humble you 
and lead you and soften your heart. And then God will save and deal with your family as he wants to. But if you don't follow the procedure, you're going to create hypocrites and quiet rebels. Wives, are you eating the book? Are you holding fast to God's grace? How do you know you are? Are you submitting to your husband? Are you obeying? Are you meek before the Lord and before your husband? And are you teaching your children the ways of God? Young people, God says, listen, child. When you were baptized and your mom nursed you at her breast and your daddy took care of you, I let you never to know a single hour in your life when my word was not near you and you did not hear about the name that is above every name, Jesus Christ. And yet, you've got an eye turned toward the world. Are you trying to fit in with your peers? Are you looking at yourself more in the mirror than you're looking at yourself in the mirror of God's word? Young people, there's no wonder that we see so many of those who grow up in the church walk away and their lives be in ruins. There's no greater ingratitude when God mercifully saves than when a young person who grows up in the bosom of the church to want to go out and nurse on the world's harlot breasts. There's nothing worse, nothing Businessmen, are you doing all your commercial dealings based on God's truth? Do we as a congregation forsake science when it contradicts scripture? The church has been so, wait a minute now, science says this. So we've got to find some way to make it fit. No, we don't. Let God be true, but every man a liar. Listen. Jesus has already told us, light and darkness, Satan and Christ, there's no fitting those things together. So let's come out from among them. And what about when we need to practice love? But it just steps on our toes. And what if we need to forgive those who have wronged us? And we just want to hold on to it. Doggone it if they were just nicer and they weren't so mean to me and they didn't say those things about me and there wasn't so much scrutiny. I mean, we could go on and on talking about all the ways we get our feelings hurt with each other when God says, forgive one another. If any man has an offense against another, forgive them as Christ has forgiven you. If we don't do that, we're not trembling before God and his word. In closing, remember this peril of unbelief. Look at what happened to the Jews. They are still today reeling under God's judgment because they rejected his word. So love it. Love it. Not one knows it as well as we should. Not one of us meditated upon it as we should. So let us make a resolution not to let another day go by where there is at least a little bit of time when we are on our face seeking the Lord, eating the heavenly manna, praying, 
over it, asking God to conform our lives by it, and forsaking especially our household idols. Let go of everything, anything but God's truth and grace in Jesus. And hold fast to that, my friends. Amen. Let us pray. Father, we are thankful for these warnings. We so much need them to wake us up. We know men can't wake us up. It is you who has to wake us up. Please take away our blindness, not just here, but throughout your church. Do not let us fall into a spirit of slumber, your payback way of life, because we have turned away from the truth that we once professed as a people. But quicken our spirits, Lord. Energize us to be more than conquerors, a people who are always striving to implement your truths, no matter what's going on around us, no matter what others may think about us, no matter the concept consequences to us and help us to stand solidly upon the rock of Christ and give us hearts that pant after your word for Christ's sake. Amen. Well, that's all the time we have today. This has been Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner from Reformed Heritage Church in San Jose. If you'd like to review today's broadcast, we would invite you to contact us for a copy of the program. They're available for just $5. Mention today's date and we'll send a CD your way. Here's where to write to us. PMB number 402, 1484 Pollard Road. That's in Los Gatos, California. The zip code is 95032. Again, that's PMB number 402, 1484 Pollard Road. Los Gatos, California, 95032 is that address. Our phone number, if you'd rather call, 408-866-5607. That's 408-866-5607. Our website is reformedheritage.org. And if you'd like to join us for worship, Sunday services are at 2 p.m. We meet at the Lone Hill Church on 5055 Lone Hill Road in Los Gatos. Directions at our website, reformedheritage.org. Or again, call 408-866-5607. Thank you for joining us today. We look forward to seeing you next time we get together as we continue our studies in God's Word. Until then, may Christ be your abounding grace. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.